Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. In a growing state of alarm, I scanned my surroundings only to realize that somehow, impossibly, I was now on the right sidewalk. He's circling the truck looking for us, and we're slowly and quietly circling it on the opposite side to avoid being spotted. I instantly felt weak and shaky, cold shivers down my spine. This was not normal. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you three true tales and a listener voicemail that will frighten and disturb. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user Clearance Clarence, featuring voice work by John Patnode, and we take a walk between worlds. I have to share something bizarre that happened to me a while ago, and it's been eating at me ever since. A bit of background about me, I'm a 31-year-old guy living in the southeast side of Norway, and I work as a web developer. My daily routine has been pretty much the same for the past three years. I walk to and from work, usually arriving at the office at around 5.30 and leaving around 1400 hours. So here's where things get weird. It was a typical early morning walk to work. I was strolling along the roads on the outskirts of my city, plugging into my tunes, and soaking in the serene beauty of the autumn winter night sky. My route is pretty straightforward, a dimly lit road with a sidewalk on each side. I always stick to the left sidewalk out of habit. Now, I love to gaze at the stars and moon during my walk, especially in the crisp winter air. However, this particular morning took a turn for the strange when my Samsung Galaxy Buds started acting up losing connection to my phone sporadically. I fiddled with them for a bit, but eventually gave up, attributing the issue to a dead battery. That's when I noticed it. The air was thick with a static charge reminiscent of the atmosphere before a thunderstorm. Yet, the sky was entirely clear. I tried to shake it off and continued my walk, but then the hair on my arms started to stand on end, and an intense ringing assaulted my ears. I thought maybe I was having a panic attack. They've hit me a few times in the past, so I employed my usual coping techniques. Unfortunately, they were to no avail. 
In a growing state of alarm, I scanned my surroundings, only to realize that somehow, impossibly, I was now on the right sidewalk. I hadn't crossed the road. I was sure of it. An eerie silence enveloped everything. No wind, no distant city sounds, nothing. Even the moon seemed to betray me, showing a phase indicating a week had mysteriously passed. I frantically checked my phone, dead. My watch had also stopped ticking. The distant city lights, which should have been visible, were enveloped in an unsettling darkness. Now I was genuinely freaking out. I closed my eyes, desperately trying to rationalize the impossible events unfolding around me. My heart raced as the static electricity and the ringing returned. Fearfully, I opened my eyes, and I was back on the left side of the road. The static and ringing had ceased, the moon was back to its correct phase, and the distant city lights twinkled reassuringly. My phone and watch were functioning as if nothing had happened, and apparently, only a few minutes had passed. I sprinted the remaining 2.4 kilometers to work, my mind whirling with the inexplicable occurrences. I didn't share this with anyone until now, but there's one more thing. I remembered that my exercise app was running on my phone during the incident. When I checked it upon reaching work, I noticed that the GPS lost track of me precisely at the time of the incident. I can't explain what happened, and maybe the phone's power loss could account for the GPS issue, but still. Has anyone experienced anything like this before? I'm at a loss and would love to hear your thoughts or similar experiences. You're listening to Disturbed from Disturbed Media. Next up, we hear from Reddit user Swamp B featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we're involved in a chase. This happened over 10 years ago, so excuse me if the details are a little fuzzy. When I was in high school, my friend Claire came to sleep over. We made some plans to sneak out and hang out with some guys, and then one of them would drive us home. We got to our friend's apartment, have some fun, and around midnight, we decide it's time for us to head back. But when we ask to be taken back, everyone says no, despite previously agreeing to bring us back. Everyone said they were too drunk or too high, so we eventually decide to just start walking back, and we would make some phone calls to see if anyone could pick us up and bring us the rest of the way back. My house was a good 20 minutes away by car on the highway, so there was no way we were walking all the way back. The apartment was towards the back of the complex, so we start making our way to the entrance. We don't even get halfway there before a car slowly starts rolling up behind us. I was 15 or 16 at the time, and very naive to the ways of the world, so I wasn't too concerned. But Claire was a little smarter than me on this night. She tells me to start walking faster, so we start walking faster. The car also picks up their pace behind us. Again, she tells me to walk faster, so we start moving as fast as we can. And that's when the car pulled slightly in front of us, and two of the passenger doors open, and two men get out. 
Realizing there's no walking faster to get out of this situation, she instructs me to run now. So she takes off running and I follow her. She runs towards a group of parked cars and jumps behind a pickup truck. And for a minute, we hope and pray that we weren't spotted. This is where details get a little fuzzy. One of them must have gotten back in the car at some point, as there's only one of them following us behind the truck. We hear a set of footsteps quickly approaching, and she quietly indicates that we're now going into stealth mode. This man is on the other side of the truck that we're hiding behind. He's circling the truck looking for us, and we're slowly and quietly circling it on the opposite side to avoid being spotted. It felt like a scene from a movie or video game. We somehow managed to do two or three circles around the vehicle without being detected, and by the grace of the gods, he gives up and decides to go back to the car with his friends. This is our one shot to get away. She tells me to run again, so we run for what felt like an eternity, but in reality, it was probably only 15 to 20 seconds. We find the pool house area and find a spot to hide. We were hidden behind some fences and bushes and we're anxiously waiting to see if they discover us. Their car pulls around to the pool house and we're biting our nails, hoping they don't stop and get out. The car slowly drives away and we realize we haven't been spotted. We were safe for now, but the car circled around the apartment complex for hours and hours and hours. They weren't giving up on looking for us. We were safe for the time being, but now we needed to find a way out of there. It was the middle of winter, and of course we were dressed to impress the guys we went to hang out with, so short shorts and revealing tops. We were freezing. We found a dirty, disgusting Captain America blanket that we huddled up under while making phone calls to find someone to pick us up. We tried contacting the guys at the apartment, but no one answered our calls. None of our friends answered our calls. We felt completely alone and hopeless. But around 5 a.m., someone finally answered and said they would pick us up. The best news I had ever heard in my life. Our friend gets to the apartment complex, but can't find the pool house. The group of men is still constantly circling around, so there's no way we're coming out of hiding. We managed to figure out where our friend is at with a little detective work, figuring out what building they're facing, what's in front of them, are there dumpsters nearby, etc., etc. We figure out where they're at, so we make a run for it. We spot their car and hop in as fast as we can. Go, 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 we tell them, and our friend speeds off towards the entrance. We pass the group of men on the way out, and that was the last we saw of them. We made it back around 6 a.m., just in time to sneak back in without my parents ever knowing we even left. If Claire hadn't been with me that night, I definitely would have been abducted, raped, and possibly killed. So thankful for Claire and our friend that picked us up. But a big fuck you to the adult men we went to hang out with as teenagers. And especially fuck you to the guys that intended to harm us. On a happier note, I'm now very diligent and aware of my surroundings. And we washed the dirty Captain America blanket and shared custody of it for years after this encounter. So, to the men who terrorized me and my friend in a shitty apartment complex, let's not meet again.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Maholovic, And now each week, I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows. You're listening to Disturbed. Now, back to the horror. Up next, we have a listener voicemail from Chris, and he details an experience with a terrifying conclusion. Okay, so I don't know really where to begin. My name is Chris. And um, my wife actually recently submitted her story and it got put on the air. I used to be a plumber back in 2017, and I've seen my fair share of weird things, but nothing really amounted to this. Me and my partner, we'll say his name is Matthew, we're going to a clogged P-trap in a basement at a house as a regular thing. We get there and the guy answers the door. He's... I don't remember his name, but we'll say his name was David. And he was a he was an odd an odd character, but people are people. Anyways, we go down. He says that it's in the basement, so we go down into the basement, and there are like surgical tables everywhere. This guy was a taxidermist, and there are surgical tables everywhere, and big drains in the floor, a lot of industrial stainless steel heavy duty equipment, and the sink that we where I was operating, but the thing that we were working on was next to one of the surgical tables. And anyway, so we get down there and we're just, we're, we're busting loose the uh, P-trap and everything's all fine and dandy and the P-trap breaks loose. And 
it's full of sludge, but in the middle of the sludge, there's this tiny little pink, white, weird looking circle in the middle of the, the sludge. And my partner reaches in, grabs it, and pulls it out. And lo and behold, it is a human pinky finger, perfectly severed, nice clean cut, stuck down in his pee trap is what clogged up his pee trap. So without saying anything, we get up, he's ex-military, he's a, a Navy, he's an ex-Navy. We get up and he, we rush out to the truck. I kind of just holler at the guy, hey, we're getting a couple tools out of the truck, we'll be right back. We get in the truck. He already drank. He, yeah, he offered us lemonade. Like he was standing there watching us work at first and offered us lemonade. We said, no, it's gonna be a minute because it, it was industrial equipment. So it wasn't the easiest to just pop off. It wasn't plastic or anything, it was heavy duty. So um, we kind of walk by, and I'm like, hey, we got to go get stuff out the truck. We'll be right back. We jump in the truck, crank it up, and haul ass. We get to a 7-Eleven gas station, and my partner notifies the police. They meet us there. He gets out, hands them the finger, and they go back to the address and discover two, the remains of two murdered people that went missing in that town three or four years ago. And apparently this guy, he was a undiagnosed schizophrenic man that just he liked to kill people <laughs> creepy taxidermy murder man and i figured this is <laughs> me and my wife listen to your show every day we doordash and just we listen to it over and over and over and over and we love it and we've had a bunch of creepy stuff happen to us and i figured this would be perfect for the show yeah creepy finger man let's not meet again <laughs> let's not meet again ever i hope they put him under the jail Get your voice on Disturbed with our hotline, available 24-7, completely free. Tell us your experience or just leave your comments on the show. Visit hotline.disturbedpodcast.com on your mobile device or computer. And we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Typical Television, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we catch the last tram. This happened years ago when I was a dumb teen girl who loved walking the city alone after dark. This took place in Eastern Europe, for context, in a city with a tramway system. On this one night, I sat in a tram station waiting to catch the last tram home. Three trams stopped at this station, two of which went where I was going. Important info for later. It was around 10 p.m., and as I sat there waiting, lost in thought, I barely registered a man quietly walking up and standing by the shelter. I thought nothing of it, just someone else waiting for the tram. Until I started feeling weird. The streets were quiet and dark, and there was no one else in sight, just me and this guy. And I started wondering why he chose to stand this close to me when he had so much space to avoid dealing with people. I couldn't comprehend anyone wanting to socialize this late at night given that I was not very social myself. So I glanced at him, trying not to overthink it. He was a bald-headed, beady-eyed giant, tall and built like a bear, big belly and big arms and legs. I was 5'2 and scrawny, but that wasn't what scared me. It was the fact that he was staring right at me, unblinking and expressionless not even attempting to look away or act embarrassed. 
No, this guy wanted me to feel uncomfortable. I instantly felt weak and shaky, cold shivers down my spine. This was not normal. I realized quickly that I was not in a good situation. I couldn't miss the last tram. Walking home was out of the question and my phone was almost dead. I was a shy kid and didn't have what it takes to scare this guy away. I knew that, but I had to at least try. I only managed to utter a small, hi, trying my best to startle him out of whatever he was thinking. But my attempt failed in the face of his silent, threatening aura. He kept staring, no sign of intent to reply. He was enjoying this. Feeling the panic rising inside me, I told myself to stay calm and think rationally. Maybe he didn't hear me? Minutes passed. His stare continued to burn on my skin, and there was no tram in sight. Ignoring him didn't work. So I mustered the courage to speak once again, this time louder. What do you want? Stop staring. No answer. He definitely heard me this time. I felt myself start to get angry. I didn't want to let this guy get to me anymore. I didn't want to continue to give him the satisfaction of watching me squirm nervously and pretend that his behavior didn't bother me. I took a deep breath and forced myself to start thinking. I knew what I can't do. I can't fight him off if he makes a move, and there's nothing I can say or do that will get him to stop. I didn't know what his intentions were, but I knew they weren't good. If I tried to walk away, he would probably follow. I could run, but he would most likely catch up to me before I could tire him out, since his legs were much longer than mine. Even if I managed to somehow lose him, walking home through dark alleys, past the junkies and gypsies that were always prowling about, could land me in an even worse situation. I could pretend to call someone, but he might feel compelled to act much sooner if he felt threatened. So what could I do? The only thing I could realistically be able to do was try and outsmart him somehow. So I started developing a few plans, depending on which tram showed up, trying to confirm whether he was just amusing himself and actually waiting for a tram too, or popped over for other, more suspicious reasons, and whether I could get any kind of help. I couldn't let him see where I lived, so if he followed me, I'd have to be prepared to employ whatever strategy was available. And for that, I needed to stay rational and aware of my surroundings. While I was still thinking, the first tram showed up. It was the one I could have taken home, but this one pulled into the depot right in my neighborhood, forcing me to lead him to my home. I hoped he would board it and leave me be, but he didn't. He kept watching me carefully. I let the tram go, desperately hoping it wasn't the last one to head home. He continued to watch, and I sensed that he was quite happy with how things were going. I put up with this for another 15 minutes, trying to focus on another plan of action. I could now pretend that I needed the other tram, the one going to a different area of the city, and just ride to the next station, getting off as soon as possible so I don't end up too far and miss the tram I need. This tram showed up next. With my heart in my throat, I boarded it and sat down by the door. He got on too, but sat himself in the back, pretty far from where I was. I let out a sigh of relief, thinking this might still go well. When the tram reached the next station, I got up and out, not looking back and hoping it was all over. But when I stepped on the pavement and watched the tram drive away, I couldn't see him in it. 
I turned my head slowly and was terrified to see him walking towards me, looking slightly pissed off. He stopped just a few steps away and resumed staring, this time with a clear hint of malice, still in silence. My vision blurred as I fought back tears of despair. He was not going to let me go. The helplessness I felt was unbearable, but I couldn't cry. I couldn't give up. I had to find a way. I had to get home tonight. The prospect of what might happen to me any time now, if I didn't, was becoming too real. My head was full of unanswered questions, regrets, and horrible scenarios. I wanted so badly to not have to think anymore, to not have to fight back the tears and stay composed. But I knew this would be his cue to enact whatever fucked up plan he had in mind. I couldn't let that happen. Then, I saw the final tram approach, the only one I could take now, and got on as quickly as my trembling legs would allow me to. When I was in, bright lights enveloping me, my mind snapped out of its nightmarish spiral of fear and allowed me a moment of clarity. I had three stops to figure this out. I sat down at the front and looked at the driver. He was a frail old man, blissfully unaware of my distress. Getting the driver's attention was a no-go. We passed one stop. There was no one else waiting to climb aboard. I turned around, fully expecting to see that the psycho had followed me again, but I did not expect him to be sitting right behind me. He was not taking any chances. He was making sure I won't try anything like last time. I shot him a hateful glare and allowed my anger to overcome my fear. I stood up and purposefully walked over to another seat in the middle of the tram car. I wanted to make it clear I will not put up with his BS any longer. He got up too and slowly walked up to a spot two seats behind me and diagonally from me, then sat down with the tiniest arrogant grin on his face. Already expecting it, I shot up and stood by the middle door instead, determined to keep him on his toes. If I stood right by the door, he won't have any idea which station I plan to get off at. He remained where he was this time, convinced that I was bluffing. After all, this was really the last tram and there was nothing else I could possibly do to escape now. He must have reckoned, so my defiance was just a funny act to him. This was my chance. I had to risk it. It had to work. There were three doors on the tram. They all opened and closed at the same time and stayed open for around five seconds before closing again if no buttons were pressed or people detected on the threshold. The next stop, the only one left before mine, came into view. The tram slowed to a stop. The doors opened. I made no move. Five long seconds passed. The door started to close. I bolted out and ran for it, reaching the back door as fast as I could and slamming the button to open it again. My whole body tense with adrenaline, I waited a long, painful second and jumped back in, keeping my head low, holding my breath, and crouching behind the nearest seat. I shut my eyes tightly and exhaled slowly, while thanking the gods I didn't believe in for that button working, and wishing with all my might for him to not have seen me before I got back in. As I was waiting to hear his footsteps approaching, I pictured him frantically looking for me. Was he still on the tram? Face screwed up in anger, head turning like a fat, ugly meerkat? Or was he catching his breath on the pavement of the last station, mad eyes searching the darkness for me? As the tram continued its loud journey, banging and clanging in sync with my heartbeat, I dared smile to myself, imagining his face when he realized he fucked up. Hand on my chest, 
I did my best to stealthily look around the corner and found no one looking back. I stood up in excitement and threw myself at the foggy back window. There he was, standing alone and victimless on that slowly fading out of sight station, watching me leave him and his vile plans behind. Giving someone the middle finger never felt so good. I made it home and told no one my story for fear I'd be admonished for my naivety. But I was safe, I was proud of myself, and I learned my lesson. Creepy stranger, I hope the events of that day taught you to not underestimate girls and prevented you from becoming a criminal for the rest of your life. Let's never meet again. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. A big shout out to our newest Plus members, Gemma Perot, Marcus Lopez Jr., Callie Scragg, Veronica Diaz, Paige Holmes, Christy Hughes, Rebecca Martinez, Kristen, Emily Miller, Selena Claudfelter, and Allison Nichols. If you enjoyed the show, consider joining Plus at disturbedpodcast.com slash plus. But if you can't, you can leave us a positive rating and review on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. And until next time, stay safe out there, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>